No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. I think we're live, but again, you just never know if we're actually live or not. So we're going to assume that we're live, and I'm going to remind you guys to make sure that Facebook is muted on your end, uh, the, those of you that are speaking on the call today. So that said, welcome to Club Wealth TV, everybody. My name is Michael Hellickson. Uh, I'm one of the coaches here at Club Wealth and uh, super excited to have everybody with us today. Uh, today, I've got with me my beautiful co-host, Mr. Brian Curtis. I'm totally joking. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, Benjamin. Mm. <laughs> I was going to say Sheree. I love it. Uh, that being said, we've got Miss Mrs. Sheree the Baller Benjamin. Uh, let me tell you, this woman is no freaking joke, man. Two and a half years ago, it was her and a lonely assistant in this little teeny office in the middle of Atlanta, Georgia. Today, it's Sheree and an, an entire cadre of rock star agents doing. Last year, she did over 250 transactions. This year, she's on track to do over five. 100 units and so that's literally nearly 10 times the production she had just two and a half years ago so freaking love coach sheree uh she of course is a club wealth coach uh smart. that's what we like her brian you've got your uh, notifications going off in the background there. i'm going to hit mute on your uh, thing until you're able to solve those uh it's just your outlook's open that being said uh we also have mr brian curtis who's also a club wealth coach and uh, Brian is freaking ridiculous when it comes to production. Uh, and he also had a really great trajectory. We won't go too much into that today, but uh, I will tell you that uh, Brian doubled and tripled his income year over year and just continued to grow. Last year, he did over 330 transactions. He's completely out of production, uh, meaning that his team does all the production. So is Sheree, by the way. Uh, so they get to focus on building their businesses instead of focusing on going out and selling homes, which is what their teams focus on, which is really what it means to build a business, you guys. That's exactly where everybody should be striving to be. Uh, and Brian, of course, is also a club wealth coach. And as you know, he is arguably the most vocal person on these calls. Uh, and so, <laughs> okay, maybe that's completely untrue, that last part. But uh, we're going to encourage him to be more and more vocal on all these calls because he's super smart and we like to hear what he has to say. So that said, we've also got Mr. Josh Zollinger. And I say Zollinger, he always te he used to tease me because I pronounced it wrong. And he said, it's kind of like saying Zollinger, just Zollinger. But he's not a jerk at all. He's actually a super cool guy. And Josh is from my neck of the woods. He's actually from just a little north of where I live. Uh, he's from a place called Marysville, Washington, which for those of you that don't know, is a freaking hole. Uh, I'm just I'm sorry. <laughs> Josh, not to make fun of the town you grew up in, but dude, it sucks. Anyway, that said, Josh found a way to get himself, pull himself up by his bootstraps, get himself out of the ghetto and down to California, where he literally destroyed it down there. This guy goes into Ladera, which is like this high, high, high-end neighborhood. 
and uh, marries this wonderful woman who uh, happens to be Catherine Heigl's best friend. And I'm, I'm saying that because you need to tell Lisa to get Catherine to quit calling me. It's getting embarrassing. I think Tara's catching on, and uh, we just we need to have her stop with that. <laughs> he had way too much coffee this morning. <laughs> just way too much. Uh, I just joke. Not that I've got a, a secret crush on Catherine or anything, but clearly she needs to stop texting me. Anyway, that being said, Josh is crushing it, and in the last three years, he's pretty much averaged uh, I'm going to call it, uh, what do you say, Josh? I think you said you've averaged about three, 400,000 GCI over the last three years each year. Yes. Okay. And then all of a sudden now, Josh uh, joined Club Wealth and has gone from three or $400,000 a year in gross commission income to literally this year, he is already, so what's your, what's your GCI so far this year? Aren't you over a million already? So about a million dollars on 31 transactions. Uh, oh my deal. gosh. So you're going to close out the year at over a million and a half dollars, which is nearly four times what you did last year. We need like some cue the Rocky music or something like, you know, or something like that. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, seriously. Yeah, you know, we need like something like that to come in. <laughs> that is ridiculous, Josh. Seriously, man. It's quite, almost quadrupled your income. But here's the crazy part. He's been in this luxury market for all the time. The market certainly has not quadrupled, not even close, right? And yet you've managed to quadruple your product, your, your gross commission income in a single year in a luxury market where you were already doing $400,000. Josh, welcome to Club Wealth. Thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit more about you. Okay, so I, I came from the, the metropolis of Marysville, Washington, as you mentioned, and... <laughs> And I guess growing up and, you know, from living in, you know, some trailer parks and apartments and um, learned, the, learned the luxury lifestyle and, and brought it down here to Orange County and, and working on that. It's funny you say that. And listen, here's the reality, you guys. I mean, Seattle is not necessarily, there's a couple of high-end neighborhoods in Seattle, but there's not a lot, right? And certainly not in the outskirts where Josh and I are from. You know, we both grew up rolling, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh but rolling pennies for gas broke, right? Like, seriously, like, this is not an area known for its millionaires unless you're actually in Bellevue, which neither of us were. No, no. And I, I remember, you know, when I was in high school, I went to my career guidance counselor and said I wanted to go to college. And she said, are you sure you haven't thought about welding school? Or, you know, you know what? If you're good at math, diesel mechanics is really good. And so... <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that was... So those were my, my two options. I, I did go to, to college. Uh, that's where I met, met my beautiful wife. And um, after a short stint up in the Bay Area doing accounting work, you know, I, I had clients down here in Southern California. We came down here, saw the sunny, you know, beaches, the nice sand, um, the beautiful weather and fell in love with it. And we've been down here for about 15 years now. That's awesome. So do you regret not choosing to go into diesel mechanics? Uh... <laughs> Uh, there's days there's definitely those days (laughs) (laughs) i love it okay so people are hearing this story right and they're hearing okay here's a guy that literally went from four hundred thousand dollars a year to a million and a half in a single year in a luxury market that he did not grow up in did not have a big huge sphere of influence and just literally came in cold and have you've developed a massive business so talk to us about 
besides the obvious, you know, hey, you know, I, I joined Club Wealth Coaching and that helped. Obviously, that pro- that made a big difference. But besides that, like, what are some of the things, whether you learned it from Club Wealth or otherwise, what are some of the things that you actually did to make that happen? That's a great question. I would say, you know, and even, I guess, reflecting on myself, I also, you know, in helping other people, it, it helps me understand kind of what I did. I would say, you know, I have people try to do open houses for me. And there's times I'll have a $2 million open house and I'll ask an agent, hey, you know, I've got a few open houses going on this weekend. Would you hold it open? And it's interesting to me the reluctance of some people to hold. Uh, I can't hold a $2 million house open. I, I just, I don't know what to do. And, and, and they get very uncomfortable with the idea of talking to people that might have a little bit more money than they do. And so I would say that the first thing that I learned early on is just to have the confidence. You know, you have to have the confidence to, to, to talk to people. Um, I think that to me, it helps seeing them as an equal, seeing them that I'm there to help them. Um, if you have, you know, maybe if you don't know what you're going to ask or if you're at an open house, write a couple of questions then and be able to have a conversation with them. And, and to me, that confidence makes it makes a huge difference. I don't care what car you pull up in. Uh, I think, Michael, you and I had talked about this. I mean, I'm kind of between cars right now. You know, my last three listings, um, $2 million, $2 million, $3 million, I pulled up in a 2006 Honda Odyssey minivan. So, um, Woo, I love you. What are you talking about, baby? So, I love a minivan. You know what? And, and I don't care. My clients, they don't care. I come you in. You know what they say when you pull up, they're like, sexy man in a minivan. <laughs> That's what I call my husband. <laughs> So, <laughs> no, I, I, just that confidence. I, I guess I can pull off the, the mini minivan swagger there. Um, Dude, you've got right. no question. You and Timothy Oliphant, right? Like I can see both you guys in the minivan. <laughs> that's awesome. No, so um, yeah, so that's, uh, and we'll talk about my other car again in a little bit. But I would say that that's helped me out quite a bit. Just having that confidence. Also, in terms of working with people, you know, we know time is money. I. And I feel like when I feel like when I talk to people with more money, that their time is more valuable. So just being a little bit more concise and talking to people, getting to the point, rather than this elaborate story, excuse or whatever. Hey, here's what happened, and just give it to them straight. And I feel like they appreciate that quite a bit. Yeah, that's and, huge. That's huge. So, I love that, Josh. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> Shout out to Garrett, who's. Uh, Garrett Penicheri, you know, Garrett, I coached for a long time and uh, he used to tell me about his two and a half and three and a half hour listing appointments and hopefully you're watching Garrett. But, you know, here's the thing at the end of the day is I tell people this all the time. They're not meeting with you because they need a friend. They've got friends, you know, and that works on both the buy side and the sell side. No one decided to look at houses this weekend because they thought Josh was a guy they wanted to hang out with. I mean, it's, and that's not an offense to Josh. That's not an offense to anybody on this call. People meet with us because they want to buy or sell a house, which means they want that process to be efficient, professional, and effective. And I don't care if you're selling a $100,000 house or a $10 million house, and I'm going to guess that you may have sold some of those $10 million houses, and you can speak a little bit better to it, but people are people. If you're professional, on time, 
act like you like you're doing i'm gonna guess that it, it really doesn't matter significantly and uh I, I would love to hear you talk about that you know what's the cheapest house you sold this year what's the most expensive house you sold this year and the difference between those two clients and i think people will be surprised is there's probably not much difference so i would love to hear that please talk about that okay so in terms of yes clients this year so 31 transactions and of course i've got my numbers here as my coach would want me to have. Good job. <laughs> so most low end. Um, it's actually one that just closed last week. Um, Six hundred ninety thousand. Oh my gosh! You're working the ghetto now. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, if you've ever tried to find something in Ladera Ranch in the sixes, which I once looked in Ladera Ranch, it's not very easy to find something in the sixes. <laughs> Is that a mobile home or a condo? <laughs> it might have been a mobile home. <laughs> so, so, Josh, how big was that house? So, you got a six hundred ninety thousand dollars house. That, that house, that was it. Actually, it was a is a fixer upper. Um, okay. You know, the, the people who bought it ripped all the bathrooms, kitchen, floorings, you know, redid everything. That was about two thousand square feet, uh, detached home, but alley parking way. So, there's you know no driveway, um, and so you know done up. It's like a seven hundred sixty thousand dollars home. There you go. So just perspective for everybody on the call, I pulled my numbers. My highest sale this year is five ninety five. So <laughs> but, I love it. And it was like ten thousand square feet on a hundred acres. I don't know, Eric sold it. So, but but so very seriously, and what's your highest? What what's the what's the most expensive house you sold? So the highest, let's see, I think I even have a little little picture here so here's a, a brochure of this property oh that's a hole okay <laughs> it's a box hole exactly <laughs> so but it's about an 11,000 square foot lot um this was here's a i guess a, a front of the property there mm -hmm. um this was 3.925 million about 8,700 square feet six bedrooms 10 car subterranean garage um i mean it's got i mean there's about half a million dollars into the home theater in that house. Okay. So here's what I want everybody to hear. What's the difference between that client who bought that or, you know, who either bought or sold that house and the client who, who bought the house for six ninety? Any difference? Um, let's see. Both two legs, two arms. No, <laughs> I would, no, there, there is a difference in, 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 in working with people. In, I guess I'm trying to emphasize, we are working with people, but just their mentality is different. When you're looking at $690,000 here, um, and, or even if I were to split it up into three segments. So the first segment being kind of a standard home, a million dollars is a standard price home in my market. Um, upper end would be double that about $2 million in luxury is the kind of $3 million and above. Um, when you're dealing with the luxury, they don't need that house. You know, you know, a standard price home, a million dollars, that's, you're looking for lodging. You're looking for a place to live, place to be with your family, $2 million, you know, it's more discretionary. It's not a, you know, relatively not a lot more. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of professionals in my market that can afford a $2 million house. $3 million, you're, you know, $2 million, I work with a lot of attorneys, uh, um, you know, just professionals, executives at, at, at companies. But $3 million, you're working with somebody who's had either born in the right family, <laughs> I work with a lot of those, or they've had some sort of, um, event in their life, they've sold a business, 
they, they um, took a company public or they've had something where they've reached that level. Okay. Um, I mean, on that property at $4 million, the buyer came in, they paid cash for it. Um, and, you know, he's actually, he's a pretty down to earth guy, but, you know, when we go through and you're going through the inspection period, you know, part of that inspection period was him bringing his Ferrari over, making sure it cleared into the subterranean garage. Of course. Um, and so and you got to make sure that the, the, the Ferrari fits. Um, and just, so, so it is a little bit different. Like I said, you have to really have just that confidence. And, and just when you're, you're speaking to people, um, you know, I don't always know the answers, but you know what? Let me check on that. I'll get right back to you. you know, people really look to you as more as an advisor. You know, and, and here's, here's, the, here's the real question I'm asking for you, Josh, and I apologize for not being clear. But the people, I understand that they have more money or they have, but they're just people, right? Yeah. No, they're, they're just people. And, and that was really kind of my point. You know, a um, million dollars in my market, we've got a million dollar listing right now. No one wants to buy it, but we've got a million dollar listing. But the guy who owns it, he's a regular guy. So that would be the equivalent of a three to four million dollar listing in yours. But he's just a nice guy. And, and I think that people get intimidated by someone who's made too much money or made a lot of money or born into money. Here's the thing. Um, I heard somebody say this one time is that whoever you are without money, you're just more of the same with money. It's a multiplier. So if, if, I'm, a, if I'm a nice guy and I make $50,000 a year and then I make $500,000 a year, I'm just a nice guy with more money. And if I'm a jerk and I make $50,000 a year, I make $500,000 a year. Guess what? I'm a bigger jerk. So anyway, I'm just putting that out there because I love the fact that you don't seem to care who it is. You're going to do your job. You're going to be professional and you're going to, you're just going to help people. You're going to consult with them. And I love that. And my question would be to a lot of people out there, why aren't you consulting with your clients? Why does a guy have to make $2 million a year for you to treat him in a way that's consultive? I don't know why. So I, I, I applaud you is my point. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking now. Go ahead. So Josh, I got, I got some questions for you. So let's, let's um, talk about when your shift happened and what was it that shifted you from lower end <laughs> to a million dollars and higher? Like, do you know what that defining moment was when that shift happened? Was it something, was it a big break? Was it a decision that you made? Did you change a habit? Like, what was it that made that shift for you? Um, that's a great question. No, I think for me, you know, in listening to Club Wealth and, and coaching and just learning to leverage myself a little bit better. Um, you know, for the most part, all these years, it, it's, you know, it's been myself and, and my wife, Lisa, you know, kind of helping me where I needed going along the track. Um, Lisa, we, we went to BSM in, in November and that's kind of where things started. And she came and she understood, you know what, Josh, you need more help. Josh, you know, we need to, you know, work together to, to really make this happen. And that was my whole reason of joining Club Wealth was, it's great. I have a comfortable living making you know, a few hundred thousand dollars a year. And I, I was actually pretty content doing that, but at the cost of working 80 hours, 90, hundred hours in a week. And, and, you know, when I, I talked with her, I was like, you know what, I, I'm going to die. If this continues, we, we need to figure out either we need to make this work or we just needed, I need to stop and we need to figure something else out because we're surviving, but it's really not working. And so, um, and, and so I'm going through listening to my coaches, um, started with, with, with Samit 
Uh, I'm now working with, with Mike and Long. Um, and just, you know, Sunit was Josh, get an assistant. Josh, get an assistant. Um, every phone call, Josh, did you get an assistant yet? Um, and that last year, I, I tried getting a, a couple of assistants that didn't work. I've got a, a, an excellent assistant now that's been able to take a lot off my, my plate and allow me to focus on, you know, focus on the money-making activities. So out of my 31 listings, actually, I broke it down to, you know, I wanted to see what I'm doing um, or where my, where my, my business came from. So I, I guess on a side note, I am working on building a team. I am working, you know, with Ylopo and Realtor.com and doing other things on the team. None of these numbers reflect any of that. This is all just, just my production and mine and leases. So of my 31 um, closings this year, eight of them have been from open houses. Nice. And there's another group that posted this week or has anybody ever had success at an at an open house and I, i'm going to tell you yes i had one i remember she came into an open house somebody from oregon uh we got talking northwest oregon washington having a conversation and and let's see and i mentioned to her and another conversation at uh, open houses it's, it's always kind of fun is you know i have five kids people whoa you have five whoa. go figure <laughs> my five kids. Kids. Welcome to the club that's why we that's why we see eye to eye on that minivan <laughs> yes <laughs> and so so i started talking to her and you know what and she went she liked me um and actually called followed up with me before i followed up with her said no i'm going to come back out look at some more homes i want you to show me some homes you know like a week later you know a 2.2 million dollar purchase from an open house, I showed her homes for one day, and she loves her house. Super excited to be here. Um, was talking, to, you know, just knowing about the schools. She was considering kids to private schools. So there's some private schools nearby. That's why she was going to come here. And I just said, you know what? You're going to come here. You're going to hit the end of the school year. Give the public schools a try. And she did. She loves it and thinks I'm, you know, the greatest guy. I get con, you know, texts and stuff from her all the time. Um, from open house, but we did eight transactions from open houses this year. Um, and so, and on, I guess, in, while we're talking about open houses, so it, it, I guess some people have asked me what maybe I do at open houses. I feel like, especially on the higher end, going and having the, the sign-in sheets, right? When people walk in, you know, you're going to get Mickey Mouse visiting and you're going to just, people aren't going to be authentic. They're put off by that information. I know, you know, Michael talks about, you know, holding people hostage and not letting them in. Um, I, I, I have a much gentler approach on that. And <laughs> my, my goal, when I go to an open house, I try to have one just sincere connection with somebody. When they walk in and just, I talk to them, I find out about them. You know, I'm talking about the house and, you know, yes, you know, built-in fridge and, you know, pool in the back, but it, I'm getting to know them. I'm trying to see how this house may or may not work for them. And I would, by the time I, I go to open house, I get pretty bummed when I don't have a, a sincere connection with somebody, but I feel like that's the best way. When somebody's at the end of a conversation, like, hey, here's my information, please help me out. I'm looking for a house. And so I would say that's something that I've done, um, I've worked on for years. Lisa, she is awesome at it. Um, I, I think we had two closings last week that happened from one open house that Lisa did, you know, two you know, million dollar purchases that happened from one open house. And so um, open houses have been a, a big, you know, 
eight transactions, you know, probably representing, you know, somewhere along the lines, you know, $16 million in transactions from that. Um, six so, of my closings have come from past clients. Um, we're working on getting our, um, we need to start having more events. Um, I need to, to repent and, and get those done, the client events. Um, but we have, you know, we do reach out to our past clients. We do some drop-offs. Um, five of our transactions have come from um, our sphere of influence. You know, five kids, you play a couple of sports. Um, you know, you get to know a few people. Um, four transactions came from referrals. And, um, and then we have one lead or one transaction that came from marketing, um, which I can talk about here. One was a sign call. One was just answering the phone. Um, the marketing, I haven't done a lot of direct mail marketing, and, and that's something we're, we're working on. The marketing, I like to call it my $7.3 million box of chocolates. And so... Um, <laughs> So I had a client a couple of years ago that was looking for a specific home. Josh, this is the, you know, the floor plan we want. We, this is the style we want. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out and find it for you. So I went, uh, Lisa and I bought like, I don't know, 20 boxes of seized chocolates and put notes um, and dropped them off at those specific homes. One second. And we, and it's funny, you know, my kids at school, like, yeah, your dad's the candy man. He drops off chocolate out of our house. Oh, boy. <laughs> I heard it from a few different sources. People got the chocolates and everything. And I had one call where the guy's like, hey, you know what? Anybody who drops off sees chocolates knows what he's doing. You know what? I'm going to keep your, your number. And sure enough, about two years later, I get a phone call um, from this guy. And, and he, when he moved, he showed me my, my, my business card and wrote candy man on there taped it inside of his desk drawer. And, and that's where it stayed for two years until he was time to sell. So I sold his house. It, that was 2.15 million. I got a buyer that, that actually um, came, came to the property through some Facebook marketing and um, bought the property. Then I also got to list their property. So it was a total of $7.3 million of transactions all because of a box of chocolates. So Josh, what I'm hearing is this, you went to BSM and after BSM, you, you and your wife made a decision, yes. made a decision. You reluctantly, or you went through a few to find the right one, but then you got an assistant and then you started doing the work that it takes. So what I want a lot of people to hear is that it's not rocket science. It's a matter of doing what you're supposed to be doing every single day in order to get there for that to happen. Now, I love the box of chocolates. <laughs> they would probably melt where I'm at, but <laughs> I love the box of chocolates. <laughs> I love that. But when you go through it and you, you look at what you've done, so obviously you are still keeping in touch with your, with your sphere. You're still, you're still doing the things outside of just um, the things that we teach. So what happens that I see a lot of people do is that, they get going, they get a new lead source, they get something different and they gravitate to that and they forget their past clients. They forget their sphere. They forget to make those phone calls. They forget to do all of the little things that you still have to do. When you, people get an assistant, sometimes they feel like they can just sit back because they have an assistant instead of the assistant is leverage. The, that's what the assistant is there for. That assistant is there for that leverage in order for you to grow even more. So good job on that. Thank you. 
So, you know, one of the things that I'm, that's striking me on this call that I think is very, very important, and I've got, there's a couple of questions, and maybe Brian and Sharif, you guys could look for some of those questions in the chat, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll make sure that we get those answered, you guys. But one of the things that's striking me that's very, very important, a lot of people look for, how can I find that one way to go out and sell a 1,000 houses? Or how can I look for that one way to go out and sell whatever your big number is? And here's the reality. It's not about finding you know, one way to go out and get 30 luxury sales in seven months, right? It's about finding 30 ways to get one sale in that luxury market uh, and, and really just hitting all of those 30 ways. And that, that amounts to a lot more business down the road. What also strikes me is it cracks me up because you just sit nail in when you're talking about open houses and agents' concerns about holding open houses on luxury properties. And every time I talk with agents about this, the first thing they say is, oh, my sellers won't allow me to do an open house on their luxury property because they're afraid people are going to steal their stuff or they're afraid of whatever they're afraid of. But they always blame it on the seller won't let me. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Man up, right? Like put your big girl panties on and get the seller to freaking do what they need to do, right? Your job is to sell their house. So what I want to know is how are you getting those luxury sellers to allow you to hold open houses? And again, you guys, eight transactions this year alone uh, that, that re resulted from open houses on luxury properties. So, Josh, tell us about that. So, I've had I've had homes that you know that has been a concern. Josh, it's a big house with a lot of things. Um, I've gone. I had a, a lender and his assistant show up, and somebody's in the basement, somebody's in the backyard on the main floor, and we just kind of have stations. Um, we've done that. I would say another type of open house we've done is uh, on my $3 million listing a couple of weeks ago, we did a sunset open house. Uh, we did a sunset open house, um, you know, hand delivered invitations to the neighborhood, um, did social media marketing for it, used the, the client and her database, you know, private schools, kids in schools, and had her invite her friends. The homeowners were there. Um, I, you know, we had food. I set up live music. We had, had an event. Um, had a had a had a good turnout. Um, still working on a on a potential lead from that from that party, but that was something that we did that was different. Um, on this the the big house that I sold, that's actually the third transaction I've had on that house, the the, the eighty seven hundred square foot house. Um, when I had meaning the third transaction you've gotten from that one that one house. It's the, it's the I helped buy the house, sell the house, buy the house, and sell and sold it again. That's before. <laughs> <laughs> and so um that's awesome yeah <laughs> that's a lot of cash right there and, and so but with that and you know so we, i was having a difficult time selling that before so um and and, and so i went through okay what am i going to do how am i going to sell this house the seller is getting anxious to get it sold um and we sold it before we executed on it but we had planned we had partnered up with a, a not-for-profit that was going to share their database with us or share the open house. We're going to have a huge casino night there, have some professional athletes that, that we're going to show up and their friends and have this big um, charity fundraiser. Um, and anyways, I, I'd already, you know, had, had a lot of the things set up and was very anxious to do it. And then that's when the buyer came in and, and we, we sold the property and didn't get to execute on that. But there's a couple of different things. If you're trying to get people in homes, the homeowners are, are leery. Um, there are ways to work with them, I think, to, to make that happen. So I got a quick question for you on that. Why not still hold that open house on that on that property, even though you had the buyers 
uh, you know, already lined up, why not go ahead and still hold that open house and just accept backup offers? Uh, well, we were looking at doing this event and it was like, there's like $800,000 on wood floors there and the homeowner was already pretty nervous about it. So he, he was worried about the damage and things that would have happened. So I would have loved to, um, and, but we, we, we didn't end up doing that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, good. So the open houses are huge. And Brian and Shree, if you, if you, you want to get to any of the questions that are in there before I go to my next question in, in the chat, did you guys pull those up? Okay, while you're looking for those, um, another thing that really struck me is that one of the biggest differences for you this year in going from 400000 in GCI to over a million and a half in GCI in a single year was hiring an assistant. And that sounds super simple, you guys, but I really want to key on this. And write this down, those of you that are watching right now, write this down. If you don't have an assistant, you freaking are one, right? But you guys have to understand this. If you don't have an assistant, you're doing $16 an hour tasks or in Josh's market, $30 an hour tasks. I'm just joking. <laughs> you get the point, right? You're doing tasks that are far beneath your pay grade and you need to stop doing that. So, and Josh, the other thing I heard you say about that was, you went through multiple assistants before you finally got to the right one. How was that process? Um, it was it was tough. I, I did I did use Wise Hire, um, and I was able to you know I would say it's just overwhelming from the, the get go. Um, when I posted on Wise Hire, I think I had like seventy five applications in like ten days, and so here it is. I'm looking through all this. I remember my first time through, I was like looking up everybody's social media, looking up everybody's, you know, trying to figure out who these people were and like investigating. It's probably spending, you know, five to 15 minutes on every single person. And it's like, I don't have time for this. How can I hire an assistant? I, I need help. I, I like need somebody to, to hire help to hire my assistant. I was just overwhelmed. And then listening to some of the things on Club Wealth and just different ways, okay, you know, you know to, to go through and have people kind of self-eliminate um, that definitely helped out quite a bit, having people, you know, responding, having people, um, respond to some questions, leave a voicemail. And it was crazy how much that narrowed things down. So, you know, first assistant, I was trying to hire somebody from outside the industry. Somebody had a, like, I can teach somebody real estate. I, I tried hiring somebody with marketing experience, but I, I found out that, you know, for her, she thought she's going to be on Facebook 30 hours a week and I have a lot to do and realize that, Hey, this is actually is a lot of work. Um, second <laughs> assistant was great. Um, but she, she had small children and just, that was too hard. Um, and finally, you know, the assistant I have now, um, 20 years in the business, she's, you know, has a broker's license, has a lot of experience. Um, you know, I, you know, three club wealth, we hear all the time, you know, hire for personality, not for skill. Um, and I, I got both. And so that's been able to, that's been tremendous in being able to, you know, in, in terms of me growing and looking forward to have somebody that agents can go to ask questions to without having to, to help me down all the time. And you said you use WiseHire for that? Yes. Okay. And we love WiseHire. For those of you guys that don't know WiseHire already, uh, check them out. I'll put the link in the, uh, in the comments here, but uh, definitely love WiseHire. Sheree, looks like you've got one of the questions. Right I now. do. Good old Coach Mike Veneer. Love Mike Veneer. Oh, what's up, Mike? Hey there, Mike. He's got a great question. How are you attracting luxury clients? 
With my good looks, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's with the minivan. But what sets you apart, right? I mean, like, what's your USP to attract them? What are the, you know, what, what, what is causing that to happen? So the USP, I'm, I'm working on those. There's actually one I've heard, um, I've actually used twice this year on deals that probably wouldn't have happened um, you know, for a total of like four transactions where the, if you don't love the house, in the first year, I'll sell it for free. Actually, I just used that this last week um, to, to keep a buyer under contract, and it's the right house for them. Um, that's a USP I've heard on here. I should probably use a little bit more, but I would say what's attracted to, to, uh, people to me in the first place, I guess I've done a lot of transactions in, in my area, um, and one of the things that kind of be memorable, um, if you go back to the, the picture here, you notice something in that picture. Ah, I love it. It's the car, baby. So, so when I'm not driving a minivan, um, that, that's, what I, that's what I drive around. And so, I mean, I've had people literally like run out in the street and stop me. And, they, and people know the car before they know me. And so, you know, in all my listings in the garage somewhere, there's usually a little, little picture of the, the, the 57 Chevy. Um, and, and so people have put that together like, Dude, that the guy with the car is the one that sells the homes up here. And I open houses, people walk in. You know, that, that client that came from Oregon, she goes, I've been researching Ladera Ranch, been looking here for a long time. What's the deal with the car? Why is it everywhere? And um, and you're you know, that, that's your car, right? And and makes for a great conversation, especially at the open houses. That was my initial thing was to park that at the open houses. Everybody walks in, like, hey, this is the car come with the house. I hear that probably nine out of ten people will ask me that same question. But guess what? It gets a conversation going. Yep. Hey, for the right price, it, it can. Or people talk about their dad's <laughs> having it, their uncle's having it. It's a conversation icebreaker that, that's helped out a, a ton. Okay, so I want to jump on this for a second because brand marketing is so important when you start getting to this level. Um, and the fact that you have your car, that and it's a super cool car, right? That's why it's very, and it's not that it's a super expensive car. It's just a very unique, very cool, classic car that people can appreciate. Uh, and because it's in all of the pictures for all of your listings, it gets recognized, right? You've got this picture and then you've got the red car, right? And the red convertible and everybody recognizes that. And that becomes a part of your brand. I saw a guy in Seattle did something similar. I say similar. He had, he, he was a waterfront specialist. And so he had rubber duckies and it was kind of dumb, right? He was the rubber ducky guy. But at the end of the day, freaking like he would do stuff like he would hold an open house and he'd put like little buoys out around the property and he'd put thousands of rubber duckies in the water. And so people would be driving by on their boats and they'd see the rubber duckies and it's like, oh, that must be the duck guy. And <laughs> dumb stuff like that, right? But here's the thing. People got it. Like it, it, they, they started to associate with him. So all they had to do was see the freaking duck and they thought of that guy and they thought real estate and they thought he's the guy that sells all the houses here, just like your car. So my challenge for the people watching here is, especially those of you that are in, in luxury markets, figure out what is that thing that sets you apart. And that is kind of a USP, right? It's a, and it's not really a unique selling proposition, but it's definitely something that's unique about you that gets people thinking about you. And if you're especially in a luxury market and you're not doing something like this, what the freak sets you apart, you guys? What's different about you? Why in the world would anybody think about you instead of the 3,000 other agents that would love to sell properties in that neighborhood? 
find something you can do to set yourself apart in a positive way, not in a negative way, because um, there's plenty of that, right? But Josh, kudos to you, man. The freaking red car, no joke. That's genius. I love it. Uh, Shri, I think you had something you were going to add. Or no. maybe not. Okay, go ahead. Brian. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, no, I was going to say, so that, that card, it, it, when I, I, I've had the card now for eight years, and it, it's, it's amazing to me. I, I had a client that was a CEO of a public company uh, that was a referral to me, and I was all nervous. They're flying in on their Learjet, and I needed to pick them up from the airport, and I'm like, and, and so I went, and I'm like, I don't want to go pick up this guy and his family in my Chevy and you know, drive him around looking at, you know, we're like 15, $20 million homes in, in Newport. Um, and so... I called a friend up, like, dude, I'll get your car detail, pick up his S-Class, picked him up at the airport. We drove around um, Newport in, in his S-Class that day. And during the day, my car came up. I showed him a picture of my car. And they're like, next time we come back, pick us up in the Chevy. <laughs> and so I think the, the Chevy has helped me. And, and when I bought that car, you know, eight years ago, 2010, yeah, I was just coming out. I'd had a Honda Accord for years and, and I was like, no, I need a car. I, I just want to keep people guessing. I, I wanted people to, you know, I could pull up to a house and like, dude, does this guy have millions of dollars or is he flat broke? And, and, and just keep, keep them guessing. And, you know, but in, so, but using my car has definitely helped that quite a bit. So next time I take them out, we're pulling up into these, you know, 15, $20 million homes in my Chevy. The agents are like, dude, that is so sweet and, and, and loved it as well. So tell me something. Um, what is the difference in selling, or should I say, how are you selling luxury real estate? So your your listings, you get a listing in, and what are you doing differently on a luxury property than what you do on, let's say, a six hundred thousand dollar property? Um, and I want you to talk also about, is it more expensive to market this luxury property? Because we see a lot of things where people are spending thousands of dollars on their luxury properties versus on a non-luxury property. Now, that, that, that is an awesome question. Um, and it reminds me, I, I, I don't watch million... Um, it, I don't watch TV very much. Whatever that show is with that Josh, so that other Josh, the Josh that wants to be like you. Uh, so, <laughs> but I remember I watched one episode, and then where these two agents went in together, and they're like, "Hey, let's go in on this together, and basically we'll split the cost." Um, when you work with luxury properties, you know, like I said, I, to me, I love high end, high end, like double your market value. Those are homes that are more liquid, you know, they're, they're just. And, and easier to, to market than, than luxury. Um, on, you know, when I was planning that big event um, for, that, um, for, for that listing here on Five Foxhole, when I ended up selling that house, I had $30,000 in expenses. Um, you know, whether, you know, online, you know, I had it, you know, front cover, you know, magazines, luxury magazines, um, just, try, you know, these homeowners, that's it. They're asking the same question. What are you doing for me? Um, I go through and I leverage um, some different marketing channels where it, it, my listings are put in, you know, let's say the, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and just I, I try to get it out there. But I would say to me, so there's, I guess so there's marketing channels, and I guess I kind of got off there a little bit. But in terms of getting the house ready, I mean, what's the first thing that you see? 
you know, it, it's the images. I'll tell you that when you get the houses ready and that, that to me, that's the key. So when I go, so let's look, I'll, sorry, I've got some props here. I'm not sure how often you guys have props on the show, but I was thinking about this. So here's, here's a house that was listed. This house had been listed for, uh, it's been listed multiple times. It was actually just listed with one of the top agents in the whole country. And that was their, their main picture. Um, after letting go uh, of that agent, they went, they interviewed six agents uh, that I competed with and I got the listing. And so I went in there and when you go to these listings that you really have to have a plan, you know, you really need to study the properties, understand, you know, understand the, the market. And I mean, I go through, I crunch all the numbers, but ultimately I usually don't even get into the numbers. I just go in and try to answer the question. Everybody wants to know what's in it for them. How are you going to help me? And, and so I went, went to that listing and I went and told them, guess what? You're going to have to spend about $30,000 on this house. You're going to have to come in here. We're going to have to change the landscaping. You know, this house has been empty. You know, you need, you need to stage it. Um, it's kind of dated feeling. Let, let's go through, let's um, stage it, make it a little bit more modern. Um, and so I, and you know, so I went in there with a very clear plan. It's a Tuscan house. And they said one of the other agents were like, okay, you need to paint the cabinets white, put some prayer marble in there. I'm like, no, that, that's not the house. This house is Tuscan. You can't change the kitchen and change the whole house or be off. Let's go in here. Let's do some paint. Let's do some landscaping. Um, so just to give you an idea, again, sorry for the, the props, but that was their listing photo. And this is what I did. Dude, I have a feeling I can guess where that came from. <laughs> did anybody help you with that photo where did you did you use a service to enhance that photo at all no, no. you didn't your photographer literally caught it with this, the sunset so, like so so in terms of what i guess what's my usp i guess maybe i'm answering this now what do i do for these people you know these people they said josh we hired you you had a plan you came in here told us what we needed to do we had an idea of a budget I went in and I executed with my landscapers, my painters, um, stagers, and got the whole property done. Um, because ultimately, in terms of the marketing, what do people see 93% of the time first? They see, they see the photos. So I make sure that my photos, and, like, and when I get my photos done, I mean, there's so many even professional photographers that would go out there and, and this is a 5,700 square foot house. They'd probably shoot that in less than an hour. My photographers, they're there probably five or six hours. Um, and, and there's photographers out there that will go through and they take about 10 different images with different lightings and different flashes in there and Photoshop them. They get like a magazine quality photo. So all of my photos are all, you know, so once the house is prepared and, you know, all the way through, I, you know, pressure wash, windows clean, everything, you know, perfect because I feel like you only have that one chance to make that, you know, that first impression. And then I go through and I do excellent photography. And then, um, and I also do videos as well. And that kind of the sleepy videos with the elevator music, I tried to do a little bit better on the videos, um, including drone photos and, and video as well. And so I'll spend a couple thousand dollars just on the media side of get, getting these homes. And then, you know, I just showed you the front pages of these, but you know, these are, you know, I'll get really nice brochures that will go through and showcase the house and, and it's amazing to me how many people like, you know, one or two years after a listing, they'll come to the open house, they'll have this flyer 
you know, they'll keep it in their drawer and, you know, it's a, it's a marketing piece. I mean, I, you know, I go and I do include a call action number on this, um, to, you know, to track in case somebody does call. But for a lot of people, this is a, you know, a marketing piece that they're going to go through. And I'm sure a lot end up in the trash, but I do know people keep these. And so that's part of what I do to, to market my properties. So I got a question for you. So let's, let's back it up a little bit more. So um, not in reference to what you do right now that you've gotten into higher than a million, two million, three million. Um, let's go back to the very first one. So that very first one, that was your first luxury listing. How much do you think you spent on marketing? Because we have so many people who are who just need that one, that first one. And I want them to understand or at least have some sort of a ballpark as to what that first one might be like. I, I think that my first one, fortunate, it was a short sell. Actually, I still did some <laughs> professional photos. and but Love it. I would so I, I did a good job and know what for a short sell, actually I got a lot of money for it. And that attracted one of the neighbors and said, Hey, if you got $1.3 million for that piece of junk short sell that had squatters living in it and, and handled that, you can handle my listing. And then from there it, it just went on and meeting people and talking to people and lots of open houses. But in terms of I mean, let's say people getting in their first one now, what would it cost? I mean, I guess what's changed with times a little bit too is, again, kind of that Pinterest effect or, you know, or house or, you know, Instagram, just the images are so, you know, kind of those perfect images everybody, everybody wants. So, I mean, you don't need to spend as much as I do on video photography, but somebody getting in, spend at least that. And then, you know, do open houses, do Facebook promotions. You can get it done a lot cheaper now than, than you could back when, when I started. Well, and one of the things that we like to use and we recommend is a company called Box Brownie. And I'm uh, actually typing it in now. I can't remember our link. If Tara or Aubrey could uh, add our link in here for uh, Box Brownie, we can actually get you for, for virtually nothing. You can take a typical photo of, the, of a house and you can, it's like a buck or something like that, a buck 40 or something like that. They'll make it look like that twilight shot that Josh showed. But, uh, yeah, Box Brownie does a great job. I use yeah. them. Especially, let's say when I do get these, I had a, a listing here that was $1.2 million and didn't look that great. I sent the box brownie. I had them virtually staged the key parts of the downstairs. You know, I spent, you know, probably on the virtual staging. It's a little bit more expensive. I think I spent three or 400 bucks to get the house done up. But the photos look amazing compared to when people walked in the door. They're like, hey, what happened? <laughs> but... You know what? I, I have to get him in the door, and, and that's what he took. Yeah, and that's our job to get him in the door. Absolutely. And 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 that was actually one of my, you know, I, I said I had a, a three sales. One was a marketing piece, the chocolates, and one was a sign call, and that was a Sunday, four o'clock. Hey, I went to all the open houses today. Can you come show me this house? I sent Lisa over there, and and we we got it closed, and he'd seen the pictures online, so it, it worked. I love it. Uh, and so you guys, seriously, remember to take baby steps. It's not, you know, I, and I'm hearing Josh say this, I'm hearing Brian, and I know Sheree would say this too, that it's not about how do I sell this, you know, luxury property. It's about first, how do I get the listing? Then I, I, once I've got the listing, then I've got to figure out how do I market it properly. Then it's about how do I get traffic, right? First, I need to get phone calls. 
then I can go from a phone call to an appointment. Then I can go from an appointment to a, a, you know, a potential sale. But too often we go right from, I want to go from, you know, I've got this listing to, I'm going to, I'm going to sell it right now. And people forget to take those baby steps in between. You know, it's like going on a blind date. I always compare this to the blind date, right? You don't walk up and knock on the door and, hey, you know, you meet this date for the first time. You go try and make out with her on the porch right then and there, right? That's just, that's terrible. Like, you would never do that. You know, buy her some freaking flowers. Take her to dinner. Take her to a movie or something. Bring some value. Then take that next step. And Josh is doing that. He's not saying, look, I'm just going to throw it on the market and hope somebody sells it. He's saying, look, I'm going to go through a process. I'm going to have a plan for how to sell this house. And people in luxury expect that. They expect that you're going to have a plan walking in. and You're going to know the difference between a Georgian and a freaking Tuscan. And if you don't know the difference between the two, then guess what? It's over, right? You've got to know because they're a much savvier client. They under, it's not that other clients aren't savvy, but people that operate at that level, a level are clearly either intelligent or just super lucky. But most of the time, it's because they're, they're, they're fairly intelligent. They got there for a reason. They expect you to be fairly intelligent as well. That's right. You go on those listing appointments and you over-prepare. You know, and that's what I like as to what I'm hearing that you do is that you over prepare for it and then you go, you go with the flow of it, but you over prepare for it first. Um, yeah, that, that would have uh, tossed me out. That would have kicked you out of my house if I had a Georgian <laughs> and you came in and started talking about making a contemporary. I'm going, what is he talking about? Yeah. You just want me to spend $30,000 for no reason. So know, know what you're talking about. Research it, do the homework. Uh, beforehand, a lot of luxury is doing a lot of the homework beforehand. And think about it, guys. It's the same thing if you're selling a $200,000 house. You still need to do the homework beforehand. Right. So the biggest thing that I've heard today, Josh, and I know we're getting close to the end here, but the biggest thing that I've heard today is you do all the things to make it really, really a good experience for the seller. You're taking better pictures. You're looking at their house. You're researching. You're being professional. Here's the thing, guys. And if, if you don't hear anything else today, and I hope you heard a lot of good stuff from Josh, well, the biggest thing that I heard is he does it the same every time. Even when he's got a crappy $600,000 house, he still goes and takes good pictures. Or that $1.2 million house, you know, that's a little below what he likes to sell, but he sent those pictures over to Box Bounty. He got them virtually staged. So here's the thing. You, you know, you said it cost you, what, 400 bucks to do that? Yeah, well, well spent. So here's the thing I was telling somebody yesterday. Think about this. You're you're marketing a four or five hundred thousand dollar house. And I know Josh, you, you can't even I guess maybe you could buy something that burned to the ground for four hundred thousand dollars in your market. But if you're if you're marketing a four hundred thousand dollar house, you're asking the seller to pay you twenty-four thousand dollars. Spending 400 bucks, is it really inappropriate? You know, I understand, you know, you get down to, you know, 100,000, 50,000, that you can't spend that kind of money. But anything over a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, again, we don't think about it because we only think about our half. We're like, oh, I only made, I, you know, I'm listening to a $200,000 house that's a $6,000 commission. No, it's a $12,000 commission. And it's your job to market that. Do you really feel like we should get paid $12,000 to? you know, put the house in the MLS and take pictures with our iPhones. So I don't care if you're listing a $200,000 house or a 200 or a $2 million house, 
do what Josh is doing. And he goes above and beyond. He thinks about people and he's a professional. And, uh, you know, I really applaud you for that. And the reason that you can go in and make over a million dollars in GCI in a market you've been in for just a couple of years is because you go above and beyond. You sell a, a crappy short sale and you got three other sales from it. You know, people are going to look at what you're doing and why you're doing it. They're not just, you know, we have to be different and different in a good way. And, and again, I applaud you for that, Josh. And you have to be authentic. So, and that's what he is. He's still authentic to himself. And so his clients resonate with that. You don't come in just like this sales doggy reeking of all of that. You're authentic to yourself. One of the things I want to make sure that people hear when, when you first said that you can't get anybody to hold your $2 million house open. Well, I mean, Sheree would hold your $2 million house open. Why? Because Sheree would want $2 million buyers. So when I did the math, 25% of your business right now has come off of open house and it's August. It's August because you're holding the houses open. So if you want to sell a million dollar, million dollar properties, go hold some million dollar properties open. Definitely. All right. So we got to wrap it up before we do Josh final thing. I'd like to ask of you, uh, you know, people say, well, club well, it's all about building teams and it's all about production and doing tons of transactions. And here's a guy, Josh Solinger, who literally in the last 12 months, he went from 400,000 in GCI to almost a million six in GCI in one year since joining club wealth. And so what I would ask you, Josh, what would you say to those people that say, well, I'm a luxury agent, so Club Wealth's not the right fit for me because I do luxury? What would you say? <laughs> you know what? I mean, there's so much of this. It's systems and processes. And that, that's something that, that we're going through and still refining and, and trying to get down. But it, it's, it's leveraging your time. So if you're in Club Wealth, I mean, it's just done so much for me and, and helping me realize that and pushing me to get the assistant. And I've got, you know, Mike now telling me, Josh, you know, you need to, you know, interview five people a week. We need to get the team built up. And and, know what? and, and I would say, you know, doing the same thing that I, I'm doing right now, I'm going to be able to help a lot of other agents do the, do the same thing. And and I think I'll be able you know, to do a lot of good for real estate around here. It's one house at a time with, with my team. And, but definitely club wealth would apply I and mean, you can go through and you know, there's a lot of emphasis on production and yeah. Hey, I would love to get up to some of the, the numbers that Sheree and, and Brian have here in the luxury market. I mean, there's agents that do it. So yeah, um, I look forward to, to continuing to, to rise here at club wealth. I love it. Final parting thought on the, uh, on the download, you prepared a download for us. What are people going to get when they go to clubwealth.com forward slash Josh Zollinger? Um, no, I, I went through, I just, I gave my, my four C's of working with um, high-end luxury clients, just to give you an idea of just working with people. I said, there's still people, you know, but they, I handle people just a little bit different on this end, um, on the high end, not always, but just, um, and just kind of reaching to their personality types. And then also I went through and did um, kind of, did a, I think a five point checklist here. That's kind of what I do to get, you know, get a listing, um, you know, talk about my listing presentation all the way down to open houses and events to get those luxury homes sold. I love it. All right, guys, we got to wrap it up. We got to get to our coach's call. Thank you, Josh, so much for being here. And Sheree and Brian, of course, thank you as well. Very eye-opening. What a wonderful episode of Club Wealth. 
uh, TV. So have an awesome day, everybody. Remember, inside each one of you is a luxury beast. Just time to get out. You gotta choose to unleash that beast. So go do something world class at today. Figure it out, but take some kind of action. Have a great day, everybody.